Well, if you have your Bible, please turn to the book of James, and we're going to take a look only at one verse uh, today. Uh, The book of James has many similarities to the previous studies on leadership we went through, through Matthew chapter 1 through 7, also known as the Sermon on the Mount. But everyone has a presupposition about serving in ministry, meaning we assume beforehand how ministry should be. We have different ideas. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different churches. You know, I grew up in a, in a very Pentecostal church where things were very different. So we assume beforehand how ministry should be, and often we look to who's successful. I want to model myself after who's successful. I want to model myself after, you know, who's writing the latest book, and I want to, I want to model myself after who's writing the latest books. We look to those who have big churches as that's the way ministry should be. Or they have big followings. Or they have charisma. Or they just are cool. You know, that, that's what I wanna, I'm looking for. Or they're just great orators. And there, there are many great orators. But you see, James wrote one meaningful letter. James wrote one meaningful letter. And we could learn a lot from James. You see, he wrote not for fame. He didn't write for fame. He didn't write for popularity. He didn't write for money. He didn't want to be called a successful or to be well known. Who was he? Well, there's a lot of James in the Bible. And that the Bible mentions. But this particular James... He's a half-brother of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Mentioned in, Je- in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, he was a non-believer in, in, in the family during the time of the disciples. He didn't believe. He thought Jesus was crazy. But something happened in his life right after the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, mentions the Lord appearing to this James personally after he resurrected. But what caused James, we have to understand, what caused James to be so effective? Because James was an effective man. He was a very effective man in the Lord's hands. But you know what they say about leadership? You can't effectively lead others to a place you haven't been. And as leaders, we need to lead That's what we're called to do. But we can't lead to where we haven't been. And the word of God through James here, James's experience and the influence of the Holy Spirit in his life will lead us to be effective men and women in leadership also. I really believe that. And and in this letter, in this awesome letter, there are some good keys to being a effective leader and i want to be effective i want to be effective i know you want to be effective but james in chapter 5 verse 17 james encouraged honesty and transparency transparency among each um, among the people honesty and transparency number two he encouraged uh, uh, work that takes place in the body as the body comes together in universe in unity. So number one, honesty and transparency. Number two, 
He encouraged the body to be united in prayer. Be united in prayer. And number three, this, those two things had a personal effect in his life. And James says in James chapter 5, verse 16, the end part, he says, and the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Personal effectiveness. So what was James' role? I have to who was this James? What was his role? You see, James was the first pastor of the church of Jerusalem. What was his ministry? Was his ministry big? But you got to understand, James was the first pastor, but he was not one of the original 12. He wasn't the original 12. And remember back in, in Mark chapter 9 and also uh, Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus is talking, the disciples are all talking amongst themselves and they're saying, Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? Because they all had an idea of a hierarchy. They, they all wanted to excel in leadership. But they were doing it the wrong way. And Jesus puts them in, in place. And he says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, He who wants to be greatest among you shall be your servant. See, James was nothing but that. This James was a servant. He was a servant, but then he became the leader of the Jerusalem church. What are some highlights in his ministry? He, he, uh, he spoke at the uh, Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15. You could see how he did ministry. Paul went to him for decisions and, and counsel. So he was a servant. Um, how did he do ministry? Well, you know, we get a glimpse of his ministry by his leadership in what he taught in this letter. This, he taught from his heart. How did he finish in ministry? Because everyone who starts in ministry is going to finish in ministry. And I want to finish well. And we pray that we all finish well. But how did James finish? Martyrdom. He died. He was murdered for his faith. He was thrown off the temple walls of Jerusalem, of, off the temple, and he was stoned to death. That was his ministry. He was thrown, no fame, no fortune, you know, no book tour. But you see, reading and studying the book of James, leaders, reading and studying the book of James gives us an honest description about ourselves and our church. Ourselves and the church. As well as we see this in 1 Corinthians, we see a lot of problems in the church. And a lot of times we see the problems out there, but we don't see the problem in here. But these problems that we see in these letters serve as an opportunity for us to learn both about ourselves personally, but also about our church collectively. You know, to get better at something, we have to evaluate. And, and I'm going to share with you three things. Evaluate, communicate, and execution. There, there's three things. We need to evaluate. Uh, evaluation is, is just an example of, of looking in the mirror and seeing a problem area. You know, if I, it's concerns about my body and, and, and uh, I look in the mirror, I examine myself, and I see there's a problem. The communication, there's a problem. I got to do something about it. I go to the gym. You know, I, I, I fight every week. 
I, I spar um, three times a week, three, four times a week. And I'm usually facing bigger and younger opponents. But one of the things I evaluate myself after a match, and I, one of the things I never lose, you know, I, I never lose. I might get submitted, and it might look like, like a defeat, but I'm always learning from it. I'm evaluating what did I do wrong? What can I do better? So I never really lose when, th- when things don't look like I'm winning. I am winning because I'm evaluating the match. I want to make it better the next time. Maybe I'll look at my technique. Am I following through? You know, one of the things we, we have to evaluate here and then here. Um, if you go around the church grounds and you look and, and, you know, we just did the irrigation. We did all the, you know, all the sprinklers, all brand new sprinklers. Um, if you went out there before, man, there were all kinds of patches all over the place of dead grass and weeds. And uh, so we fixed it. And uh, how many of you guys got to evaluate it since? You got to evaluate it. Has anyone, only three people evaluated the grass since? <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? I just evaluated it. And you know what? T- take a walk. And, and I, I, I looked around the church and, and there's an area over there on, on the high school side, just over there, and there's no growth. There's no growth. It, it, it is, you know, it's getting watered, but there, there's a problem. So I'm evaluating the situation. It's getting water. Maybe it needs seed. Maybe it, maybe it, needs, maybe it needs this. Maybe it needs me to go and... and uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse uh, 25, it says, when the hay is removed, then the tender grass grows. Because, you know what, there's a, there's a dead, it's a dead area. There's no, there's no growth because there's some, some, it's dead. It needs to be tilled. It needs new soil. It needs something. It needs seed. But it, evaluation is good because it shows us that there's a problem. And then I communicate and I say, Okay, there's a problem. Now I communicate with people who know, or especially with God. I communicate with God because He knows. And then I come up with a plan of action. So the first one is evaluate. I need to diagnose myself personally as a Christian. I have to diagnose myself personally. Are there dead areas in my life? Are there areas that don't give God glory? I have to uh, do that personally. And then corporately, where am I failing as a leader? Where am I failing as a leader? I have to be honest and transparent with myself and with God. How am am I doing as a leader? Then I communicate with God. I evaluate. Then I communicate with God. First, personally, I ask for evaluation. I ask for a diagnosis. And then number three, execution, developing the, the possibilities of having a plan of action. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You see, because we could see problems and if we and then we don't communicate. And I and I really think that's a big a big issue. We see problems, but we don't communicate. We don't communicate this way. And then corporately, we don't communicate this way. It's always somebody else's job. 
Or we never come up with a plan of action. We say, oh, we need this over here. So we evaluate, but then we don't communicate, and then we don't have any kind of plan of action. And, you know, that's what the Lord has been showing me over the last uh, uh, six months or so, uh, is not just look at the problem, communicate with leaders about an area, and then come up with a solution. How are we going to make this better? You know, because I have a lot of times people will say, well, hey, you know, this area needs help. Well, hey, come on, let's, 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 let's work on something to make it better. Let's do something. Or, or they have a vision of let's do something because they see a need. But I say, all right, let's get together. Let's communicate. But you see, it always just stops with the evaluation. It never goes into the communication. And then we, we fall short on action and taking, uh, taking action both personally and corporately. So, again, it starts with us personally, then corporately, then transformation will follow suit. So if I have good evaluation, I have good communication, and then I'm executing some kind of plan, what what we're going to do, that's when we will see transformation. But you see, it all starts here. (laughs) It all starts here. It starts here. Jesus said to the leadership of his day, first clean the inside. Remember, he was speaking to the the religious rulers of their time. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 through 28, Jesus said, Woe to you, Pharisees and, and scribes, hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the dish or the cup or the dish first, but inside you're full of extortions and self indulgent. Blind Pharisees first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. And then he said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear to be beautifully outwardly, but inwardly there are full of dead men's bones and uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear to be righteous of men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lewdness. So, if each of us cleanse the inside, what we see in the outside will take place. It starts here. It starts with me, not you. It it starts with you, but you have to say it starts with me. You can't say it starts with you. That needs changing. That needs changing. That person needs changing. I need changing. Jesus said, first, cleanse the inside of the cup. First, inside of the cups. You see, what was the reason for James writing this letter? Christians were having a lot of problems. Personally, as well as in the church. Christians were having a lot of problems personally and in the church. And I have here eight points. Number one, they were going through difficult trials and testings in their life. Number two, they were faced with great temptations to sin. Number three, some believers were being respecters of persons. They've created an atmosphere where the more affluent members of the body uh, were catered to, while others were being robbed and taken advantage of, of, and 
the problem was it, it was a form of sectarianism. Sectarianism is they had a tendency to have an excessive devotion to a particular group. They were cliquish. They were only about themselves. They're, they're, their own little clique. That's all they worried about was their own little clique, not caring about the everybody as we should. You know, we see Jesus, he talked to the rich. He talked to the poor. He wasn't a respecter of persons. He, he dealt with everyone in a great way. The fourth problem, the church was competing. The leadership was com- were competing with one another for roles and offices in the church, personal, uh, particularly teaching offices. Everybody wanted to be a teacher. Everyone wanted to be the star. But, it, but uh, James addressed this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. One of the, ma- the fifth problem, one of the major problems of the church was their failure to live up to their profession. They claimed to be Christians, but they were not living like Christians. They claimed to be Christians, but their lifestyles depl- displayed the contrary. You know, so James was very transparent. Number six, their tongue was a ser- serious problem in the church. The way they, the, 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 leader, the leaders, the people in the church were using the tongue was, and its looseness was creating wars and divisions in the church. Wars and divisions in the church. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates, and seven is an abomination to him. A proud look. James talks about pride. A lying tongue. James devotes a good portion of this letter and gives us great pictorial uh, examples of the danger of the thing behind the cage of our teeth. James deals with the, the wars among us, pointing the source of our contentions are inwardly and spiritual in nature. Proverbs says, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to run into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. You know that. So James deals with all this because these are the problems. Number seven, they were in a down, this church was in a downward spiral. Number seven, worldliness was another problem creeping into the church. The church was becoming more like the world than more like Jesus. We should be becoming, becoming more like the world, not like Jesus. And like, like Jesus and not like the world. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Rebuke me. Number eight. Uh, because of their disobedience to God's word, some of the members were sick physically and others were strained from the Lord and the church. So after review of these eight points, does it appear that the church is any different than what we're experiencing today? Same things are happening. We're, we're experiencing the same problems today. A.W. Tozer says, what is the, what is the church gained if it's popular but has no conviction no repentance and no power however james in the study of james it it gives us nine characteristics of a church maturity and that's what james is trying to tell us jesus called wanted us to grow the bible teaches us we should grow as christians and james goal main goal for his the church being the leader of the jerusalem church is that they would grow in maturity 
And he gives us nine points. A, a mature Christian will suffer. A mature, a mature Christian is a studier of Scriptures. A mature Christian has a sincere heart. A mature Christian serves the Lord. A mature Christian is sound in his speech. A mature Christian is a submitter to God. A mature Christian has no problem self-sacrificing himself. A mature Christian has steadfastness. A mature Christian prays. And a mature Christian shares his faith. So, we have to honestly evaluate ourselves in light of scripture you see we could be a big popular group a big uh, we could be just a, a group a, a big group who gathers every sunday with no inner inward work no inward work no remorse for sin and lacking the dunamis power of the work of the holy spirit in our lives we could continue like that i don't want to be like that i want i want I, I, I want an inward look, an inward work of the Holy Spirit. We should all want an inward work of the Holy Spirit. We should, also, we should all have a remorse for sin. It shouldn't make us happy. And we should be, all desire the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And in James chapter 1, verse 1, James says it says James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ so here we see James self description a self description of a, of a leader he's a servant nothing more he's a servant remember what Jesus said in, back in Mark chapter 9 he who wants to be greatest of all let him be your servant and James was the leader. He was the first pastor of the Jerusalem church. And he calls himself a servant. You see, James grew up with Jesus. He could have name dropped. He could have manipulated to get what he wanted. Or he could have portrayed himself in a different way. But he considered himself a doulos. He was a doulos. He was a, the Lord's slave. He wasn't the one being served. He was the servant. And, and that's what true leadership is. You could, really, you, you could have a different definition of leadership, but Jesus plainly claims he who wants to be greatest of all, who wants to be great in the kingdom of God, must be a servant. And then James, the brother of the Lord, the first pastor of the Jerusalem church, calls himself a bond slave. A slave. One who gives himself up for the other's will. One who devotes himself into serving another. He served himself, extending himself for the advancement of his cause. Of his cause. That's why I serve. For his cause. Not for myself, for him. Because I love him. Because he loves him. He's devoted to one another. He's devoted to the other with any disregard for his own interests. It wasn't about James. It was about Jesus. It was about people being saved. 
And we'll see in chapter 1, as we continue in our next studies, we will see a mature man and woman of God that God wants us to be servants. We're called to be servants. One who serves. James will teach us about patience, that we should be growing in patience. That we should be leaders who gain wisdom and strength from heaven. That we should be leaders who are stable in our difficulties. That we should be leaders who do not let other pursuits consume us or detour us. That we should be leaders who persevere through trials. That we should be leaders who honor God and have a good grip on our own temperament and our conduct. That we should be leaders who separate ourselves from wicked practices. That we should be leaders who are in the Word. And the Word is, ta- is penetrating deep in us and transforming us. And we'll see it in our actions. And we should be leaders who are not just hearers, but doers. That we would be leaders who hear the studies and are not forgetful. That we would be leaders who control our mind, what, it, what takes place in here. That we would be leaders with, who have control of what's going on in here. And that we would be leaders who have control of our mouths. And that we would be leaders who are not self-deceived because James talks about self-deception. That we are leaders who are other-centered, that we care about people. And that we would keep ourselves unspotted from the world until He comes. So I want to encourage you leaders to take that biblical prescription or description that James describes himself. I'm, I'm the Lord's doulos. I'm the Lord's, I, 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 I'm the Lord's servant. I love Him. That's why I serve. A doulos is one who is set free by his master. He's free to go. But he says, no, I don't want to go. I love you so much. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. It's not about me no more. It's about you. And I want to serve you because you love me. You, you redeem me. And I want to give you my life in service to you until you come. And that's what a doulos is. So leaders, I want to encourage you. Evaluate. Evaluate your lives. I want to challenge you. Read the book of James. We're going to, we're going to be covering it probably till January. Read the book of James. Evaluate. James even says the the Word of God is like a mirror. And I look at it, and I'm to look intently at it and and evaluate my life by it. I'm not to go away and forget of what I see. I need to evaluate where I am personally. Then I need to communicate with God. Lord, are some of these descriptions that you are showing me are there areas in my life where I don't glorify you? And you know what? I'm going to say, yes, absolutely. Do I have trials? Absolutely. Are there 
areas of change in my life that need to take place? Absolutely. I'm communicating those things with God. And I'm looking for a plan of action to take some kind of action. Because I don't want to be that man no more. Number one, it starts here. Jesus says it starts here. So if I want to have an awesome, awesome church that's just growing and God's doing amazing work, it starts here. Okay, so that's your first challenge. Read the, gospel, read, read the book of James. Evaluate, communicate, and have a plan of action with God. Let Him transform you. Second, second challenge. I want to encourage you. Walk around the church grounds. Walk through the classrooms. Walk through the seats. See if there's any areas that I have issues. Any areas that, that there's a stronghold. That something, something's not growing. We need to communicate this way and we need to communicate this way. And we need to come up with a plan of action. Maybe, maybe we need a little water there. We need some seed. We need, we need something new over there. Maybe we need a tilling of the soil. Maybe there's weeds that need to be plucked out because it's hindering growth. Maybe there's just some areas where we don't see and you do. And evaluate those things. Then communicate with each other. You know, there, there's an area that a, a couple of us, we notice that, that, that there's, there's an area that needs help. I'm not going to tell you what area, but there's an area that needs help. And we evaluate it. Not just me, a couple other leaders saw it. And we're coming together, and we're communicating this way, and we're communicating this way, and we're coming up with something. Because we don't want, we, we want to help. And that's where we should be as, as, a, as a church. We should help the worship team. We should help the children's ministry. We should help the sound guys. We should help the ushers. We should be helping each other. It's not, my ministry isn't here. It's here. This, this is your ministry. This is the Lord's ministry. And we are his servants. You know, and a lot of times we get uh, formed into, I'm just in this ministry. But we're disciples. You know, if you go back to the Gospels and you look, what did the disciples do? Did they have a worship team? No, but they worshiped. Did they have a children's ministry? No, but they took care of the children. Did they have certain things? No, but they they, they were servants. And, and that's what, you know, we, sometimes we have this mentality that I only serve here or in this ministry or the men's ministry or the women's ministry or, or, or the young people's ministry or the high school ministry, but... You know what? That's ministry is 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 worshiping God, loving people and helping people until he comes. That's what we're called to do. And just think if if, if we take care of things inwardly and then we're helping each other corporately. You know, I, I'm, I'm expecting a revival. But it starts here. It starts in me. 
And I want, I want to challenge you to do that as James calls himself a doulos and you just say, Lord, I'm your doulos. I'm, I'm, I'm yours. Do a work in me first. Are there areas that need to be tilled? Communicate. Is there a plan of action? Is there, what do I need to do? Do I need to get in the word more? Do I need to cut off some things in my life? What's the plan of action? Let the Lord show you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. And then corporately, let's evaluate where, how we can help in the church. Because I always have peop, people coming up to me and saying, hey, this is a problem. And I'll say, hey, all right, jump in, help me. Help me. Let's, let's work together. But that's the last I hear about it. So I don't want to go down that road no more. You know, so I want to encourage you, evaluate, communicate, and put a plan of action. Amen? Amen. You're the Lord's doulos. And you guys, you guys are doing a great job. But I, I love to see God do a greater work in me. And, you know, over um, the last couple of weeks, I'm reading a, a, church, a book called uh, Be Mature by Warren Wiersbe. And you know what? It's a study in the book of James. And you know what? There's some areas of change that need to take place here. So, um, and here's the thing. As, as leaders, if we can't um, know and grow here, we're not going to cause others to grow around us. So I, it has to start here, uh, first in my heart. Um, you know, yeah, we want to pray for our other leaders, their growth too. And that's where we have to come alongside one another and lift each other up in prayer. You know, I, I have a group of about uh, about um, 60 people that I, I pray and I text to every day. And they're on, they're, them and their families are on my, my prayer list. Um, why? I'm committed to pray for them. I'm committed to encourage them until the day approaches. But every one of us should be doing something like that. Why? Because Hebrews chapter uh, 10 verse 24 tells us we're to encourage one another until we see the day approaching. And you know what? The day's approaching. The days are getting evil. There's a lot of manipulation going on in the world. You know? Don't buy hamburgers. Don't buy shoes. They're dividing us with hamburgers. They're dividing us with shoes. It's foolish. It's foolish. It's, it, it, it's divide and conquer. I'll divide people. I'll get them fighting over stupid stuff. And then I'm going to wipe them out. It's manipulation. Have the Lord influence you. Don't get caught up in the stuff. We're accountable to God on the day of judgment. He'll take care of everything else, but don't get caught up. Don't get caught up. But let's get prayed up. Father, we love you and we thank you, Father, for this leadership. Lord, I thank you for the work of your spirit you're doing in them, Lord, and, and, and in me, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, Father, over the next couple months, Lord, that Father, each one of us would evaluate ourselves in light of the scriptures. Father, that we would read the, 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 the book of James as a leadership together. We would look and honestly evaluate our lives in light of the scriptures. Father, show us where we're lacking in maturity, spiritually speaking. Father, show us those areas that are dead like the grass outside. Father, that need water or seed or tilling. Father, show us, Lord. 
Father, may we make those evaluations and may we communicate with those things that you show us to you, Lord, and desire a work of your spirit, Lord, as we communicate with you. Father, you, your word says that if we ask you for a fish, you won't give us a stone, Lord. And Father, the reason why we, wanna, we want transformation in us is we want to glorify you, Lord. We want to glorify you in our personal lives, Lord. So Father, as we evaluate ourselves, Lord, Father, we communicate ourselves, uh, communicate those things to you, Lord. Father, that you would give us the right plan of action, Lord. Father, that you would do a work each and every leader here in the body of Christ. Father, that you would cause us to grow. Father, that we would not be manipulated by the world, but be transformed by the, the, the word of God and the spirit of God. So, Father, we pray for a plan of action personally in our lives. But we also pray for a plan of action corporately, Lord. Father, that you would show us areas in, in the ministry where, 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 where there's no growth. Father, that we would see areas in the ministry where there needs to be change. Father, that we would be a people who are not holding on to something that belongs to you, Lord, but are, are willing to have an honest assessment of the condition of our church, Lord. And Father, that we would communicate to you because you're able to, to change hearts. We can't change hearts. We can't change man's directions. But Proverbs says that uh, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, Lord. And we want you to lead, Lord. So as we see those things, we, we, we want to communicate them to you, Lord. But Father, we want your wisdom. You said... He who asks for, asks for wisdom. And we need to ask unwaveringly. Father, help us not to be double-minded. So, Father, we ask that you would just do, give us an, a, a plan of action, Lord, in our church. From the children's ministry to the men's ministry. All those ministries in between, Lord. Father, that you would help us, that we would be holy, mature, and God-glorifying in all that we say and all we, we do, Lord. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. Well, God bless you guys. I encourage you to read the, the book of...